Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is November the 24th of Friday, 2023. Is it, is it Black Friday, Bethann? It is Black Friday. Uh, I'm not some, going Something occurred to me as I was doing the introduction. Is that the right? Am I going to get into trouble for calling it Black Friday when it's white or Green Friday? Anyway, it's Black <laughs> Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, the day when we start to think about the next big holiday, which is, of course, Christmas, the holiday of gift giving. And who better to talk about the right kind of gifts to give, book gifts, that is, um, for Christmas 2023, then my old friend Beth Ann Patrick, the book critic of the LA Times, and the woman I think who reads more new books than anyone else in the world. So, Beth Ann, happy Thanksgiving. That one's done. We're finished with that. We both had very pleasant family events yesterday. Now we've got to start thinking about Christmas. We do. Before we even get to a book, what what are your your criteria for determining? books as gifts or what advice would you give should we be careful should we choose books that might offend upset stimulate you know first of all books make the best gifts that's I it agree completely, okay 100%. Um, number two that you know the upsetting books that was kind of funny you said that because um there was just uh, i think andy cohen was on the Colbert Report recently, or um, sorry, the Colbert Show, whatever it's called now, I can't keep up. Yeah. Anyway, um, he said something about Thanksgiving. Stephen Colbert said, look, you do all these crazy Bravo shows. What do you think people should do in Thanksgiving when there's conflict? And he said, lean into it because, you know, if you have someone who doesn't like someone else at the table, you know, why not make things a little dramatic? And I thought, Okay, there's a time for that. Maybe not Thanksgiving. However, with books, I think it's really good to think about um, what you might be interested in and introducing someone to that topic. That is the kind of thing that I love to see people um, doing when they give gift books. Uh, for instance, if you are really into some kind of music or art or cooking and you want another person in your family to know more about it, you know, give them a book. It doesn't have to be really controversial, but it can be something that helps open a conversation. So for example, this is not technically on my list, but there's a wonderful graphic memoir out this year called The Talk by Darren Bell. And it's about a black father giving his son the talk about how to be safe. Oh, yeah. Our, I think you yeah. and I have done this. Bro. We have. And I just wanted to say, I mean, that's a wonderful book to give to someone if you're thinking perhaps they don't really understand how difficult it is to be a brown person in white society. So there's an idea. But in any case, the books that I have on my list my criteria for them is that they be absolutely superb in every way from content to presentation to, you know, author, but also that they reach as many people as possible. But I think on this little list, I've managed to choose books that can go to many, many people on your gift list. Yeah. And I assume, Beth, they have to be hardback. You can't give softback books for 
for Christmas, can you? You can't. No. Um, unless That's you illegal. know now it should be illegal. It should be illegal. However, I will say that if you wanted to give um the work of an author, if someone is really crazy about, you know, any particular um, writer and a lot of their work is in trade paperback, you might give the latest hardback and then give you know, a bunch of paperbacks with that. That That's um, chaotic um, legal, I think. Well, that's Beth Ann Patrick's little get out of jail free clause. That's right. <laughs> the paperback books. You mentioned um, graphic novels. Let's start with the one graphic novel uh, on your list, an interesting one. Um, and I know my daughter's a big fan of graphic novels. Monica by Daniel Klaus. Tell me about this book. Why did you choose it? This is uh, an absolute tour de force from Klaus. So many people love him from Ghost World and know his style and his uh, way of thinking. And this book follows a woman, I believe there's nine separate stories. And Monica appears in most of them, not in all of them. And this is where Monica starts. Monica starts with Monica's birth to a sort of single mother in the late 60s. You know, she's um, born um, to Penny, her mother, into the counterculture, into a very hippie-like childhood. And it follows her into middle age, Monica, that is, not the mom, Penny. And we see, you know, some connections with the Vietnam War. We see connections with you know, counterculture in the U.S. We see connections as we move through with all kinds of world and U.S. events, but the focus remains on Monica and what this does to her. And I think it is, first of all, it's a really interesting, different way of storytelling. This is the graphic novel really push to what the graphic novel can do. And I mean that in a positive way, because it, it is not um, linear narrative. It's not chronological narrative per se. You know, it's, there's a lot of back and forth. But what you see in it is something we don't always get in a prose narrative, which is you're able to visually connect Monica and these huge events that affect us all. And yet at the same time, we forget how much they're affecting us. So through the sort of lens of Monica's life, I think we're able to all see how much has happened since the 1960s and how much it changes an individual, even though we think, oh, those are things away from me, outside of me. Uh, really amazing book. And I have to say, even if someone isn't interested in graphic work, this might be one to give to them to just say, look what this can do. You know, if you're someone who's really into manga and, you know, you want your sibling or your uncle to know about it, Give them a try with Monica. It's pretty. It's pretty. Yeah, great. I mean, one of the things that's changed uh, since the sixties, uh, Beth Ann, is the rise and rise and rise of the graphic novel. I mean, yes. we're living in a golden age, aren't we? We are. Oh my gosh! And I have so many that I loved this year, and uh, I have a bigger list over at my Substack Bookwag, which is part of Culture. Right, well, in future, maybe next year or early next year, we'll do a, a whole show on on, on, on graphic novels. Yeah. One book that's on the list that could be graphic but isn't um, is George a Magpie <laughs> memoir. Um, 
very intriguing book by um, uh, Frida Hughes. Tell me about this book. Why did you choose to put it on? Oh, this is the memoir, I think, to give as a gift, because this is the memoir that deals with trauma. Okay, so Frida Hughes is the daughter of, she's a poet, she's British, she's the daughter of two famous poets, Sylvia Plath and Ted Hughes. Yeah, two, um, of, two of the most, perhaps the two most famous poets of the British poets of the, the second half of the 20th century. Absolutely. Plath, of course, being American. Um, well, I, but, I apologize. But, yeah. yeah. No, no, that's Anglo okay. American, shall we say. So here we have Frida. She is the only surviving member of her family. Her mother, as we know, famously died by suicide. Ted Hughes died um, some years back. Um, Nicholas, uh, Frida's sibling, also died by suicide. When this book begins, we find her in a a tenuous marriage. Her marriage is also dying. And she finds a tiny, tiny abandoned magpie chick. And she just cannot let this chick die. She wants it to survive. Now, it sounds a little bit like one of those I love nature memoirs that come up, okay, you know, all the time. But first of all, Hughes is a poet. Second of all, she has all of this history and she's going through what will wind up being the end of her marriage. And that's not a spoiler. And so the metaphor of keeping this little bird alive has a lot of layers, but it's also fabulous because George is so terrible. George shrieks. George is always hungry. George poops on everything. That's a big theme in the book. But George is also so darling. Her sketches, as you said, this might have made a graphic memoir and it didn't quite turn out that way. But Frida's sketches are really wonderful and very endearing. And of course, this is not going to be a book about a magpie, you know, kept forever. But that's also not a spoiler. It's beautiful. We're speaking with the great Brooke critic of the LA Times, Bethann Patrick, one of my favorite, if not my, certainly my favorite literary guest on Keenon. She's a frequent guest. Uh, she has eight books or seven books, and I've got one that we're recommending as Christmas gifts. Um, Bethann, you've got a couple of food books. I don't know whether mm. we should be careful with food. It's a something of a sensitivity in terms of weight and how we eat and how we don't eat. What, what would be, you, you've chosen these two food books, one a kind of cooking book, one a, a culture food book. Maybe we can begin with the, uh, the cooking book, um, Company, uh, the Radically Casual Art for Cooking for Others. Uh, are, are there rules about giving food books, especially at Christmas and Thanksgiving, when, of course, these are festivals built around food? I will say, here's one thing. Do not give diet books at Christmas. Do not give books um, that tell someone how to eat at Christmas. You know, do not give, you know, here's your keto guidebook. But there, as you said, these two books that I'm recommending are quite different. And I think really beautiful cookbooks that celebrate not just the food itself, but also connections can be wonderful gifts. And so Amy Thielen's company is a big favorite of mine this year because uh, she is the author of Give a Girl a Knife. She is a, I believe, from Minnesota. 
And this book, she lives out in the woods and she loves to have gatherings. And this is how to make things really, really simple. How to have people come and gather and be given good, nourishing food and food that everyone will eat from the kids who, you know, someone can't get a babysitter or someone has a friend in from out of town. These are recipes that really can be adapted a lot. Uh, if you have someone suddenly who's gluten-free, there's going to be something for them on the table. There's something vegetarian on the table. All of that is covered. And it's all about how do you make a fuss, but not cook like a fuss, like not fuss over the food, you know, allow yourself to fuss over friendship, allow yourself to just gather people around the table. It's a, a very lovely, I think, relevant contemporary approach. And I think a lot of people at Christmas, whether they're going to use it immediately, you know, during the seasonal um, gatherings, or they use it for the following year, this is not just for, um, you know, holidays. This is for year-round, radically we, we casual. Some beginning. books, especially photography books, um, coffee table books. Maybe we should call this book a, a kitchen table book. I think so. I love that a kitchen table book. And uh, the other. Cookbook. The other one is very different, but totally also different. incredibly intriguing. I, I've ne I have to admit, I've never been to Lagos, so it's particularly intriguing. I've always wanted to go. My everyday Lagos, Nigerian cooking at home and in the diaspora. Yes, and this is by Yawanda Komalafe, and I've seen a lot of press for this book, and I finally you know, took a look, a dive in, and there are a couple of things. Let me tell a very quick story, personal story, before I get into this. I became interested in African cooking um, in my early 20s. I was given a, an African cookbook and I thought, this is fabulous. And, you know, there's so many tastes and spices and it's, so I started cooking a lot of, um, a, a lot of Ethiopian food. And mm. we invited a, a French couple we knew over for dinner and, I hadn't said, oh, we're going to be eating Ethiopian food and eating with our hands. And they were in very, very um, proper dinner party dress. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a oh disaster. Uh, and, and it kind of was. But at the same time, I thought, this is why we need to learn more about cooking Nigerian food, Ethiopian food, any other African country. And so that's why it's important. But Komalafe's book is as much a memoir as it is a cookbook. There are amazing recipes for all kinds of delicious Nigerian food. I mean, there are these amazing yam fritters that her grandmother would make with chives and hot peppers. There are stews, there are breads, there's everything. But she also explains to you a lot about her own back and forth. She was born in Nigeria, then, came to the United States as a legal immigrant. Her, She and her brother, who was also with her, both have sickle cell anemia, unfortunately. And sadly, he died here. And she took care of him and overstayed her visa, wound up being an illegal immigrant. And it took a while for her then. Um, she did get married, did get a green card, and then started going home again. And when she went home again, she found that the food, that cooking and the aromas of everything, it really helped her connect 
again with her family there and make her realize how important Nigeria was to her, that she wasn't just now an American. She was a Nigerian-American. Beautiful book. Yeah, it's the next best thing to giving someone a plane ticket to Nigeria, get this book. Um, and if you do give, uh, if anyone wants to give a, a subscription, a literary subscription, uh, I would recommend Liberties, a quarterly journal of culture and politics. Leon Weaselty's new uh, quarterly. It's an excellent read. I'm going to run a short uh, video about Liberties, and then we'll be back with uh, Beth Ann Patrick to talk about our other four books that she's recommending for Christmas. So don't go away, anyone. Beyond the news, the noise, there is nuance, insight. Liberties is not just a journal of ideas. It's a meteor of intelligent substance. It's the place to be for engaged citizens. Politics, opinion, substance. Liberties is a triumph for freedom of thought, a quarterly of urgency, of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller. And you can subscribe to Liberties at libertiesjournal.com and make a very, very nice Christmas gift. We are speaking with my old friend Beth Ann Patrick, the book critic of the LA Times. She has seven books that she's recommending for Christmas. I added one. I have to admit I cheated doubly because this book came out <laughs> last year in September. But um, George McCalman, who's a wonderful artist and writer and personality, was on the Keenan show earlier this year talking about this book, uh, Illustrated Black History. My wife bought five copies and George was generous enough to meet with her in San Francisco and personally sign them. It's a beautiful book because um, it's not only intellectually interesting, he's picked some very unusual characters from, from American black history, but it's also illustrated. Uh, he's a magnificent artist. Are you familiar with his work, uh, Bethan? Um, you know, I probably am, and I don't know for sure. So I'm going to check it out because that looks like an amazing gift for several people on my list. And I love the idea of the seen and unseen. Um, like many of us, I've been watching, you know, the Gilded Age. And I'm more interested in the characters who run the black newspaper than I am in the people who live, you know, on Fifth Avenue or what have you. Yeah, my wife's watching that. And, and there's no spoilers. There's no MLK or Malcolm X in the book. Right, or, right. Uh, du Bois. I mean, these are all great figures and important figures. But he's yes. very, very interesting characters. Been, but the artwork is magnificent. Yeah, he did a, a speech. Um, at a local museum here in San Francisco. And I was astonished with how many people showed up. He's a nice guy and he's got a lot of friends, but- I love it. A lot of interest in this book. And it's one of those sleepers. I'm not sure if it's a bestseller, but uh, it's an important book on, on lots of levels. So no, I'm so glad that, you included uh, it, Andrew. America, that's, that's the one. Strongly suggested. And if, if you're nice enough to George and you buy a number of copies, you might even sign them. There you go. Um, we had a lot of visual books, cooking books, but there are some, shall we say, quote unquote, uh, Beth Ann, normal books on the list too. Uh, <laughs> Happiness Falls, which is a novel. Uh, it is. A novel for Christmas. So tell me about this book. So this is one of my two novels on the list, both of which are perfect gifts for the readers in your life if they haven't read them already. So Happiness Falls by Angie Kim is set like her first book, Miracle Creek, 
in Northern Virginia. She lives in Great Falls and she really uses the area uh, to wonderful effect in both of these books. And so Happiness Falls is about a family that is Korean American. The mother is Korean. The father is a white American and their children, of course, are multiracial and they're three children. There are twins who are 20 years old. And then there is a 13 year old who has Angelman syndrome, which is sort of causes a locked in syndrome. He is um, has floppy limbs. He has difficulty with coordination and he doesn't really speak. Angelman syndrome children are also often known as sort of happy because they smile a lot. They laugh a lot. They make a lot of noises. And so for years and years, and this is really important to Happiness Falls, people thought, oh, well, you know, they've got some kind of intellectual challenge. They are not, you know, able to read or write. And eventually through grueling, grueling research and also therapy, people have found out that if you can help kids with Angelman syndrome point to letters um, on a special kind of board or stencil, then they have complete intellectual lives. Their understanding is not at all affected by what's happening to the rest of their body. And so for so long, they've wanted to express themselves. And Angie Kim, the novelist, is really involved now with helping kids with Angelman syndrome learn about creative writing. The poetry coming out of these um, young people is absolutely astounding. And the book is not just this great book about the younger son's journey, but it's a mystery. And it's a mystery where you know someone goes missing from page one. The father is gone. It's not a lost girl book or a lost woman book. It's a lost man book. And the way she threads together the father's interests, the son's um, difficulty communicating, and the narrator, the 20-year-old daughter's beliefs about what is happening, it's absolutely beautiful. She is just selling this book like hotcakes, and any book club member will- Yeah, it's a Good Morning America book club. It is. Um, yeah, having, I, I'll get that one for my daughter. And then the other novel you have on the list is it sounds a bit like a cooking book, uh, but no, it's not, not. <laughs> Heaven and Earth Grocery Store. Tell us about this by James McBride, another so bestseller. James McBride, as one place says, should be like, in, instead of a poet laureate, he should be a national storyteller, the storyteller laureate of the United States. And that is because in The Good Lord Bird, in Deacon King Kong, all of his books, he brings together so many different voices and so many different facets of experience that people have in the United States, always centered on the African-American experience, but in the Heaven and Earth grocery store, the place referred to in the title is actually in a town where there's a sort of across the tracks, if you will, kind of area where African-Americans, Jewish Americans, and people of um, you know limited means all live together in a kind of harmony. And the Heaven and Earth grocery store is run by a Jewish couple, and they are really 
really friends with a lot of the African-Americans. And so when another couple has a, a nephew who's deaf and they're afraid he is going to be taken from them in some really nasty KKK raids in the town, the Jewish couple takes Dodo, as he's known, under their protection. And all of the things that happen after that relate to, and I don't want to spoil this, to the very first happening and discovery in the book. It is a, a book that is not only intensely readable, intensely interesting and engaging, but it also talks to us about what happens not just when you're living with difference, but when you're living with people in your town who actually actively hate a certain group. What do you do with that? There's not a way to simply, you, you can't accept that. You want to be living in peace, but it is a difficult thing to do. It is a novel that speaks to our present moment, but as always with McBride, superb writing and humor are really high up on the list. This is a book for, I can't even imagine. Yeah, the, any, uh, the New Yorker, this, or I think the New York Times describes it as a murder mystery inside a great American novel. It is. It is a great American novel. Almost anyone can read this book, should read this book. It also won the Kirkus Prize this year for fiction. So it is getting a lot of recognition. Yeah, again, you can't go wrong with either of these novels. And right. uh, High praise from Bethann. I mean, how many novels do you read a year, probably? Oh, well, I am a fiction person. So I probably, out of my reading, I would say at least 100 of the books I read each year. I bet. Does anyone have the nerve to give you a book as a present? You know, I'm told that all the time, that everyone is afraid to give me a book as, as a present. But it still does happen, and I'm always thrilled. Well, the final book is uh, by another very successful writer, uh, David Gran. I met him at a, I think we were in Brazil together. Very nice guy. He's a, mm -hmm. he's a machine. Um, uh, the he is a New machine. York Times describe um, this new book as steady as he goes for David Gran. He <laughs> turn out, using that word carefully, a book. And th this one is The Wager. A tale of shipwreck, mutiny, and murder. Why did this is the final book? Why did you choose this one? Uh, this one is really dear to my heart because I love David Grant's writing and storytelling. Uh, as we know, he's having a good year because Killers of the Flower Moon is out yeah. on the big screen. Did you see um, it, by the way? I have not, and I have heard mixed reviews on the. Yeah, movie. I have to admit, I'm a big Scorsese fan, and I like David. Grand's work, but I thought it was really long and boring. That's unfortunate, but it is um, an important story. And I recommend the book because it's about uh, the Osage tribe in Oklahoma. Right. And it, it's a, an incredible story. And the same thing with The Wager, regardless of what happens to it in adaptations, David Grand has done it again. And this is because, okay, we've had lots of shipwreck stories. We've had lots of mutiny stories. We've had lots of, you know, ships locked in the ice, the terror, for example. But the wager is less about the ship and the century. And even though all of that's in there, the scurvy's in there, the alcohol is in there, the, you know, storms are in there. But then the book takes a turn and Grand starts looking at what happened when some of the survivors came back to England. And it becomes a much, much different book, um, not in terms of, 
oh, I'm reading two different books. It becomes what it is meant to be. Gran has a great deal of control over his research and his subjects. And it's the same in the wager. And anyone on the list who wants to read about history, who wants to read about things that happen that have action to them, will want this book in their stocking, I guarantee. Well, there you have it. Eight books. If you can't find a book from here for a gift, then uh, it's your problem, not ours. <laughs> uh, Happiness Falls, Heaven and Earth Grocery Store, George, The Wager, Monica, My Everyday Lagos Company, and Illustrated Black History. Finally, uh, Bethann, uh, where should people buy this book? Are you... Are you agnostic? Can they get it at Amazon or would you strongly suggest uh, independent bookstores or I am not agnostic. I am not agnostic. I worship at the Church of the Independent Bookstore and I want to say a worthy to every- church indeed. Thank you. And this Saturday tomorrow is Small Business Saturday and that is a huge day of the year for independent books bookstores and booksellers. So I highly recommend that you take this little list, go to that bookstore. They're going to have these and you're going to be able to get them wrapped and ready. And then you're done. And what happened? What about for people who don't have, who live in the middle of nowhere? Uh, well, there is an, an alternative. lazy and don't want to go out. <laughs> Are there uh, online alternatives? There is bookshop.org. That's it. Bookshop.org is a wonderful website that, you can order from directly, or you can choose a bookshop that you love and order from that store, even if you are not able to go to it physically. So that is my recommendation if you don't have a good indie within driving distance.